innovation and construction happens, I think in a different way because you're dealing with practical, physical, physical things. Thinking about the way that contractors think about their livelihood lends itself well to thinking about how, the, how to get these guys to adopt new innovation. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Chris Teish. He's the 25-year veteran, framer, and founder, president of DC Materials, a Wisconsin construction company, recognized as one of Inc.'s 5,000 fastest-growing companies in the U.S., and they specialize in providing turnkey framing solutions and supplying quality lumber materials for multifamily and commercial projects. He also believes in paying it forward by mentoring the next generation of construction professionals, addressing the skilled labor shortage and setting new standards in construction. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Todd. Looking forward to it. So I, I like to start by kind of getting your, your backstory of how you got into this industry to begin with. Sure. Uh, I was, I was, was not a great student in school. Uh, high school struggled, struggled to get good grades and, uh, got offered a job as a laborer carpenter, uh, right out of school and found out I was good at it and I was really good at it. So by the time I was, uh, started learning, learned fast. And by the time I was 20 years old, I had a contract to frame 26 houses and three employees. Um, so That's awesome. yeah, spent, spent, uh, quite a long time wearing a dual belt swinging a hammer every day for about 20 years. Uh, about five years ago, decided to, uh, loop in lumber supply along with my labor and, We've had exponential growth since then. Very cool. What uh, caused you to, to want to pull in lumber and try to navigate some some complexities there? Sure. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, there's a few factors. I got involved with the National Framers Council, and it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there are, there are professional framing contractors out there, real businessmen who and offices, office staff, and um, and the difference between me, a labor-only guy, and them is that they were selling lumber, right? Um, but beyond just making a few extra bucks off the lumber, uh, they because they because they controlled the supply chain for their projects, um, that control allowed them to make sure their labor was successful. So they were getting what they wanted when they wanted on the job site and doing a lot better than their competitors. Interesting. How did all the supply chain craziness uh, over the, the last couple of years, uh, how'd that play to your favor then kind of owning that whole, that whole process? <laughs> it was, you know, I think, uh, so I got into lumber like 2019, um, uh, lumber shot up or shot down and then shot up immediately uh, second or third week of February, 2020. So to give it a little bit of context, uh, in lumber, we speak in terms of board feet per thousand. So how many board feet, how, how many dollars do you have to spend to buy a thousand board feet? 
normal is like 300 or 350. Uh, at one point, uh, we were paying $1,700 a thousand for, wow. <laughs> right? Uh, so five, five X, uh, ridiculous numbers. Um, it was an advantage and it was a disadvantage for me. I didn't have any sort of preconceived notions about what lumber should be doing because I hadn't been in it for so long. Um, uh, I also got, I also got caught a few times and I didn't have the relationships that I needed to be able to get what I needed when I needed it for the price that I needed it at. Hmm. Um, so it was, it was a roller coaster. I, I, I was never heavy on inventory. And so if it played the market swings correctly and sent out my pricing at the right time, I had a huge advantage over the guys who did hold inventory and had to average down. Yeah. Yeah. So have you seen it kind of steadying out some? It steadied out a lot. Um, uh, The people look at lumber futures and they look at uh, cash or spot market and, and, and sort of, like to guess what's going to happen, but, um, lumber's gotten a lot steadier. It's been on a pretty steady downward trend for the last year or so. And so historically a $50 per thousand swing in a year was a lot. That's a broad range. And that's kind of where we're operating nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I tend to think as soon as the fed starts uh, lowering interest rates, lumber's going to tick up. Maybe there's going to be a hundred dollar per thousand sort of variable there. Yeah. Uh, but a lot easier to navigate now. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I'd love to kind of dive into the, the mindset really too, of how you, you switched. So what's the importance from your perspective of, of bringing in innovation to kind of the, the old guard or, you know, kind of switching things up from how you've always done it? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, there's there's a few things. We're uh, we're a panelized market in Wisconsin. Uh, that is in multifamily construction in Wisconsin. All of the apartment buildings are built using wall panels and floor trusses and roof trusses, right? So building components. Um, there's a lot more. There's a lot of different ways that building components can get delivered to a job site in ways that are an advantage or disadvantage to the framing contractor. Um, and, and and I think all this ties in really well for the thought process, of your audience, when it comes to offsite and how they're doing offsite. How are you serving the field labor? How are you serving the end users of these products or the installers? Um, when when we get when we get 10 truckloads of walls, right? Are they stacked in a way where the first wall we need is on the top? That's usually not the most economical way for a component manufacturer to ship their products. Are the floor trusses uh, sequenced in the order that they need to be placed on the top plates, right? That's never the most economical way for a CM component manufacturer to, uh, to deliver their products. And so by being the guy who wrote the check, I was able to communicate, dictate how I wanted my products delivered. Uh, as a result, we sort of, one of our pitches is uh, no matter the size of the building, we build 60,000 to 300,000 square foot buildings. No matter the size of the footprint, 
we deliver walls in one week installed, floors in one week installed. So any four-story building, we can deliver that building framed in eight weeks. Wow. That's very cool. So you, you said it's not the most economical to, to ship, but how do you balance that versus having a, a advantage on being way more economical of insulation? For installation? Or yeah, of, you know, it's, it might not be as uh, cost effective to, to ship it that way, but actually when you get to yeah. assembly and building it out, yeah, I imagine that there's a, a lot more uh, advantages that, that come Absolutely. with having it, you know, in sequence order. Yeah, yeah. It, um, uh, absolutely. So we, um, I guess having it in sequence on site, saving the time on site, um, and it's saving those, creating those efficiencies. Um, we're able, well, we're obviously able to save a lot on our field labor and the guys installing. Um, we, we use uh, in-house employees. We also use subcontractors. And so making sure that those subcontractors understand that when they deal with me and my company, uh, they're going to be set up for a win. Uh, they're willing they're willing to take some money off their top line for me, right? So getting that communication and that trust in place. And when you're doing, I guess, when you're doing anything new, anything different um, as, as a contractor, as a guy who's been run through the ringer for 25 years, um, anything new and anything different to me uh, sounds like risk, mm -hmm. right? And risk costs money. Uh, if I'm not certain of the outcome, I'm going to charge you. And if, if somebody has a new innovative idea, new way of doing things, if you're not communicating clearly to me uh, how my risk is going to be averted, uh, I'm going to charge you more, right? So such an important part of doing new and different things is uh, making sure your stakeholders are very comfortable with what you're planning on doing. Yeah. How have you seen the innovation play a role really in helping to, to bridge the gap between experience and technology to help kind of ease the concern about taking on that risk? Sure. Um, man, it's, uh, I, I, uh, you know, listening to, listening to the other guests you've had on your show, uh, on your show. Um, I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm this guy coming from this, this old school job site, like, you know, dirty and, and I'm wearing my tool belt. Um, so, so I see, I see sort of bridging the gap between what happens in the field and with the technology as I think it's a bit of a, I think it's a grind and I think you need champions in house for it to actually happen. Right. Sure. Um, it, and that's, I think that's really what it takes is you need to get buy-in from a guy more like me who speaks the language of the guys out doing the work um, and, and having that guy champion, whatever it is that you're, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, 
every carpenter's favorite pastime is criticizing other carpenters, right? So, so, so it's really easy for us to naysay anything new and anything different. Um, we use we use an interesting product. Uh, it's called Botmark. Botmark takes a uh, MyTech Sapphire file and creates a points file for a total station. Hmm. And I, I can mark out all the interior, exterior, and corridor walls on a 20,000 square foot footprint in seven hours with one guy using a total station. Absolute game changer for, for us and what we do with carpentry. And our line, we're not using tape measures, we're not pulling dry lines. You know, all the factors that can mess up your layout are, are gone, right? It's perfect. Yeah. And, uh, and we love it. It's a great system. Um, I know a lot of carpenters across the country who do not want to start in with any of that stuff. Um, and, and even my guys, you know, getting them trained up on that system, uh, I needed to be back there pushing for it until, until the rest of the crew had buy-in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're exactly right on getting the, the, the champion from the field because uh, it's, it's such a common pitfall and mistake that construction makes when they they're, they're rolling out a new process that it sounds good like in the in the boardroom and then they, they go to the field and they use that same reason that the boardroom bought in but they're not speaking yeah. in the language of the field and saying this right. is what's going to benefit you and so they're like okay whatever yep. <laughs> and it's easy to pick apart then but if you you go and you ideally they're involved in the process from the beginning and expressing yeah. their pain points absolutely and you know um and i think you know, I don't, and, and, and I don't think it's necessarily a, you know, all those guys over there, the business guys are not listening to the construction guys. I think there's interest from both parties in collaboration and working together. Um, sure. I, I think, I think the executives focus a little more on, on communicating with the field guys, but the field guys, it's historically been tough to, it's, uh, I want to put this the right way. Um, it, a level of professionalism when you're communicating up the chain is incredibly helpful in making sure that, uh, what you need to say is communicated well, clearly and effectively. Right. Mm -hmm. And so finding those guys, and that's, that, that's a really important thing for me is bringing a, level of professionalism to the framing traits, right? Saying, Hey, I'm, I'm out here. I'm a carpenter. I know how to build your buildings. I know how to do it really well. And, uh, I can sit down in a business meeting with you and I can talk with you about your needs and communicate that how communicate how that works in with what I need. The industry is struggling with a communication problem and a lack of interoperability. This is causing 25% of data being recreated and almost $300 billion loss due to bad communication. Great Tech Group believes that is a problem. So they created Data Connect, an easy to use, no code platform that connects critical ERP systems with cost management to form a single source of truth to empower better communication, decision-making and project efficiency. Delivering the ultimate business outcome of being on time and on budget. Visit asti.com slash data connect to start saving time 
and money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so kind of shifting uh, a bit, let's tackle the, the labor shortage. Sure. <laughs> uh, so it's a huge problem, obviously, uh, that people are facing with uh, attracting and, and nurturing kind of the, the new next generation of, of skilled workers. How have you tackled this issue in your business and what advice do you, do you give to, to others? Yeah, um, I'm in a good spot. I mentioned that we use sub tier structure in our business. Mm -hmm. So I'll take a I'll take a eighty thousand square foot building, and I'll pay another framing contractor to install all the walls and build all the floors. Guy with twenty employees. Mm -hmm. I'll pay another contractor, a guy with five employees, to build all the decks, and another guy build all the stairs. So I, I piece out my buildings and I break it up that way. Now, as far as getting more people into the, well, as far as me having labor available, it works really well. I pay, I pay quickly. I pay well. I make my money on the lumber. And so most of my labor is a pass through for me. Um, and if there's a gray area in terms of scope, I usually go into my pocket and make sure my subcontractors are happy. So I'm the first guy they call when they need work. Um, in terms of the broader uh, labor shortage in the country, you know, um, everyone's talking about off-site and off-site construction and what it can do for the labor shortage. And they're absolutely right. Um, sort of full disclosure, I'm, I'm on the board for the Structural Building Components Association. So I'm a little bit biased here. Uh, I think, I think from what I see, I see a bigger push than any time in as long as I've been doing this for innovation and new ideas and a lot more opportunities and products out there that can innovate. Right. Uh, and I think they're all good. And I think that we in construction need that push, uh, I think it's I think it's a slower, harder grind than a lot of people who have a financial interest in their idea taking off think it's going to be. Um, uh, you know, I I use I use panelized wall systems. I use floor cassettes. I pre-build my stairs offsite. Those are super simple, very easy first steps for going offsite. The buildings that I build, I can accelerate my timeline and cut my labor on-site labor force in half just by pre-manufacturing open cavity walls, right? And shipping them out to a job site. And so, um, and that's, and that's an industry that's been there. It's been around for tens of years, right? And so let's start. Let's start taking those steps, right? There's uh, up here in the Midwest, everybody's using wall panels. In Texas, everybody's stick building and uh, and stick framing their their roofs. Um, there's there's a little more labor down in Texas, and it's a lot cheaper labor, right? But why are we pushing just for those simple first steps? Let's use some wall panels. Let's use some roof trusses. Let's uh, let's let's grab what's easy now and keep pushing forward. You know, 
uh, saturate the market in that way. And now, now, now that everybody's on the same page, how about we think about running some mechanicals in those walls before they go out to the job site, right? So innovation and construction happens, I think, in a different way because you're dealing with physical, physical things. Um, and you've got, you've got guys like me who have been finding a way to make a living for the last 25 years, and we're acutely aware of the things that are going to cost us money and the risk we're going to take, right? And so if a new way or a new product makes sense, I think we're generally going to tend towards that. Um, so, I, you know, thinking about the way that contractors think about their livelihood lends itself well to thinking about how the, how to get these guys to adopt new innovations. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that I like about construction is because it's a, to show me and kind of prove it yeah. mentality. <laughs> Once you, you are able to show it and prove it, people are going to come on board if it makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, do you see the momentum shifting to kind of ramping up offsite more? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned risk a couple of times. I, I think that I think that there's a lot less risk involved with trying new ideas. I think it's a lot easier to get buy-in from all the stakeholders than it was five or 10 years ago. And I think unlike 10 years ago, the people trying the new things uh, are passing up the naysayers who just want to stay stuck in what they've been doing. And that's really what gets people on board and gets their attention is uh, when I'm, when I'm doing new and different things and I'm winning bids, my competitors are taking note, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. So I want to pick up on, on that there and kind of tie it with a statement that you said a, a little bit ago about uh, the innovation push that's happening in the industry, what do you think is, is causing that groundswell of becoming more open to trying new things and being innovative in construction? Yeah. Uh, in practical terms, I think that a lot of the, I, I think a lot of the old guard is retiring. Um, I think it's guys, guys like me in their forties who are not afraid of computers and technology sort of been around for what's what's happened uh are 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 open to those ideas uh-huh. uh i think there's at on the high end uh you know there's a ton of venture capital that's gone into construction in the last since 2017 sure. um so so just sort of seeing that mixed in with social media and and all the access to information that guys in construction have, uh, I I think that's those are some of the major factors in the push. Yeah, interesting. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this because I agree that there's a lot of innovation, there's a lot of momentum and excitement around that in construction, but there also seems to be a, a disconnect from people outside the industry, which I think is a portion of the the labor shortage was that. Construction still is not known for being innovative and having technology, even though we both know that it's there. Sure. How, where, where's that disconnect coming from? That outside the industry, it's 
they still think of construction as kind of what it was maybe, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Man, um, I try to, I try to, I try to get some, anytime I'm trying to do something new or different, I try to, uh, I try to, and I feel out of place. I try to embrace that feeling. Uh, and I try, and it helps me to empathize with the people outside of my world of construction. <laughs> right. Uh, just a just an overall general lack of knowledge of of how we work what our work what workflow is um i think it's very easy to look at a building going up and sort of just understand the parts and pieces of that but not the way to get there and the average person um i don't think they grasp what it takes to do what we do in general let alone the better ways to do on what we do. Do you see uh, the, uh, how should the construction industry kind of go about bridging that perception gap, if you will, of, of telling the, the, the story of the, the innovation, the opportunities, the, the tech that's here in this space to those yeah, outside? Um, I, I, it takes, uh, I think in construction, we're, we're very apt to, to do the things we need to do and move on from there. I think we're, uh, big on doing and small on communicating, right? We don't, uh, generally like to talk about what the plans are. We don't like to share information. Um, uh, uh, and, and why is that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm building a cabin with my wife right now. Uh, we've been building a cabin in Northern Wisconsin for a year and a half. And, uh, she's an engineer. So she thinks like an engineer and she's a project manager. She thinks like a project manager, doesn't know anything about construction, but I really quickly figured out that the more information I give my wife, the more questions she will ask, right? <laughs> And so it's just life and, skills right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a life, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and you know, uh, it's been a great process. It's been, it's strengthened our relationship. It's been a good thing. Uh, but that just uh, yeah, illustrate that, just give you a little bit of perspective on the way that a contractor thinks when they're talking with a homeowner, when they're talking with a developer, when they're talking with any kind of owner or anybody outside of our industry, right? It's, uh, the more information I'm sharing is the more opportunity for you to scrutinize my process, right? Mm -hmm. And and so sort of getting moving beyond that mindset uh, is incredibly. It's very it's 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 good for our industry, right? Um, being willing to answer questions and share more information is is going to help all of us. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. That's a, a huge mindset shift. It's required to, yeah. it's, it's okay to open up and, and share different pieces of information. You're not really giving away the, the secret sauce yeah, uh, or have to be scared of, of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so as we start to land the plane, uh, I, I love your, your journey from, as 
you said kind of struggling student to successful uh, industry disruptor. Uh, I think it's, it's really inspiring. Are, are there any kind of key lessons that you've learned along the way and, and mindset shifts that have contributed to the success? I think, I think, um, I think seeing that there's a lot of runway in construction in general for all of us, for anybody who, anybody who wants to get ahead and succeed, uh, there's a lot of opportunities for you to change and grow your business in ways that your competitors aren't. Uh, I wish I'd have known that 20 years ago instead of five years ago. Um, so in innovating, innovating and doing things differently can give you a huge advantage over your competition and spending time learning and talking with the people who are adjacent to your industry, um, are going to, are going to continue to help you to grow and be better than all the rest. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Are there, um, certain things that you think that the industry is, is going to be kind of adopting over the, the next couple of years on, on that front or just kind of in general? Yeah. I, um, I mean, I can, I can speak to the framing in general and, uh, I see in terms of adopting new innovations, um, I think you're going to continue to see, framing move away from stick built on site into uh panelized walls uh so built off-site walls or pre-cut packages um which ties in with uh any kind of bin modeling software design software um in pre-construction planning um it's really easy it's really easy when you've got small you you've got small general contractors who don't who don't want to plan ahead to default to stick built on site. Uh, I think the more and more GCs are thinking ahead, the more and more framers are going to be able to plan ahead. So, and I see that happening more. Yeah, very cool. I think that's a that's an awesome thing to see momentum behind for sure. Yeah. Uh, so a couple kind of rapid fire questions for you. Sure. Uh, what is the, the phrase modeling the future? What does that mean and, and look like to you? Well, lives, uh, modeling the future. Looks, um, more pre-construction meetings, less RFIs. Oh, I think we all can get on board for less RFIs. So that's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm in multifamily and I think there's a higher bar for professionalism than there is in single family. Uh, but I still see a huge difference between some of my general contractor customers and as much as how they're doing scope review, how they're, uh, how they're pre-planning, how many iterations of the plan are going out before they're locking in contracts and clarifications and, uh, um, Man, modeling the future sounds sounds good to me. Awesome. Uh, so we we talked a lot about innovation over this conversation. What is if you had to put a definition to innovation? What does innovation mean to you? Uh, I'm gonna say 
what does innovation mean to me? Um, I think innovation to me at its core is, I think it's creating efficiencies at scale. Uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's very easy to have a new idea, get stakeholders, spend extra money and say, I've got this great new thing. But I think, I think saving time and money at scale is, is true innovation. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so two more questions. How do people find out more information and connect with you? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm post very often on LinkedIn. Uh, I've got a good presence there and trying to ramp up the followers. So have my, uh, old man yelling at the sky opinions out there, but we should, we think should be, uh, I'm also a little bit active on Twitter at framer, Chris, uh, if I comment often on lumber. So if you're, if you're interested in lumber and what's going on there, Twitter with me is like, awesome. We'll make sure to, to link over to those in the, the show notes as well. So Easy. here it is. The, the last question, if I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry. What would you pick to innovate? Yeah. I, you know, uh, listening to the, I've, I've heard your guests have a lot of really good answers and really, uh, ways that the world would help what would really help the world and change things for the better. I'm going the selfish route. Uh, Go for it. If I'm going to say, if you're out there and you're thinking about creating a new workflow software for billing RFIs, all of that stuff, please don't do it. <laughs> we, uh, no, if I could innovate one thing, I, I would like to see some consolidation with the workflow software that, uh, contractors have to interact with. There's so many different products out there right now that as a subcon give you my subcontractor perspective, um, I have to learn a new thing to bill every single job that I do. And I have to learn a new thing in order to communicate on every single job that I do. And, uh, maybe that's helpful insight for the people who are, uh, working on software products that a, a subcontractor is going to be using, right? My general Contractors learn one thing and they use one thing. I have to learn a new thing for every general contractor that I interact with. So some consolidation on that front would be welcome for me. Yeah. Heary, uh, heary. <laughs> All for interoperability even just to yeah. connect everything, put it in yeah, one place absolutely. and have it go other places. All about that. Yeah. Yep. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining the show. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Dot. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's time for my top takes from this episode. First take, to counter the prevailing bias that risk equals money, it's crucial to clearly articulate how the innovation will mitigate risk and address specific pain points. Take two, enhancing your processes and relationships hinges on the extent of information shared, fostering better communication and trust. And final take, Embracing feeling out of place, as Chris emphasized, can cultivate empathy for others and provide a valuable perspective shift. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Gray Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2024.